And so the question is that I used to have all my friends at work or friends at whatever, and now I'm alone. And being alone is not good. Good day, everyone. This is Benny Mathers, uh, the producer for Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Today is going to be a lively show for, again, Voices of Experience. Paul has joined in from Palm Springs. And, uh, well, today's show also he wants to talk about self-employment specifically. But why now? Well, we'll get to that in just a second. But first, Paul, how are things in Palm Springs, my friend? Well, from what I'm reading and hearing from other people, it's really pretty much the same as Seattle. And everything is on lockdown. Mm-hmm. It's very strange. Uh, my wife and I were intending to come here for about uh, one month, which has now turned into three months. And uh, we just found that probably staying down here would be the best approach right now. Uh, so we're kind of isolated like everybody mm-hmm. else. Uh, downtown Palm Springs is like a ghost town. Um, I did read the New York Times this morning and uh, the Seattle Times. And we have some hopeful news, it seems like, in Seattle that maybe, you know, cautiously it's getting better up there. Let's hope for that. So, um, yes, the reason I wanted to talk about self-employment now is because a lot of people basically are in lockdown and they're probably pondering their future. And number two is I think actually when this has passed and you go back to your day job or you do what you're doing before, you may start questioning that even more than ever. So I've written a few books on self-employment, and uh, one of the things that I want to talk about is this being an alternative for you to consider. Um, I think one of the most important things is to keep an open mind, and I want to come back a little later and talk about some self-employment options. And uh, But first, I have an individual I interviewed several months ago. His name is Tom Wilson. And he talked about the next stage in life. And uh, the title of the book, In Your Retirement, Create the Life You Want. So I'm hitting both ends of the spectrum here, retirement, but also starting your own business. So first of all, we'll hear from Tom, and then we'll do some uh, things that I'll talk about regarding self-employment and is it for you. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. Entrepreneur and co-founder of Help a Reporter Out, Peter Shankman, briefly addresses customer service or lack of. Yeah, I mean, the basic premise behind that concept is that in any customer interaction, we expect to be treated like crap. We don't really expect to be treated well. I don't need people to be amazing. I don't need them to be over-the-top incredible. I just need to be a little bit better than what we expect. Because our expectations are so low, if we can train our customers and major companies to just be a little bit better than essentially crap, uh, we can own the entire game. Exactly. Well, you know, one of the things I wrote a book recently called Pre-Flight Checklist is self-employment for you. And one of the points I make in the book is about the airlines and how incredible they really are that they move millions of people literally, and they really are the safest form of transportation. When I get into rent a car, then my experience goes down. And 
when I rent a car, I don't care what the agency is, I am so pleased when there's not something that goes wrong. Either the price is too high, the car's dirty, they treat you like hell, you don't know whether you have the gas option or not. It's always, always a negative experience, except, again, rare when I bring a car in. And based on your type of formula, I would, if I wanted to, is to start a rental car agency and do it right. Not only would I agree with that, but what I find really funny is that, again, the, the, one of the worst experiences I ever had was with Hertz, right? And I was at a place where all the car rental locations were in one building. So I just walked, I walked like 50 feet over to uh, Avis. And Avis, not only did they go out of their way to treat me well, but they, at that point they didn't have to. As long as they didn't essentially stab me in the eye, I would have been thrilled, right? So I am a huge Avis fan for life now because all they did was just treat me a little bit better than Hertz did. thinking about retiring anytime soon, you may want to stick around and hear what the next guest has to say. For most of our life, control is in the hands of other people. For example, we don't choose our parents, and in the first years of our life, we go to elementary school, junior, senior high school. The actual first decision that we come to about our lifestyle is what do we do after high school? Do we go on to college? Try to find our first job? Do we go into the military? And often that's still influenced by your parents. And so from that point on, your life is pretty structured with activities. It's only when you get older and you start thinking about retirement, you have to look at really some options that you may have ahead of you. If you're fortunate and you have good health, you may have 20 to 30 years left after retirement or many more years than that. And this could be the dream that you've always been waiting for. I've known so many people who are count off the days to retirement and then they get really bored because how many rounds of golf can you play or how many fish can you catch? Very impressive amount, I'm sure, but is that all there is? So there can be a lot of frustration that goes along with retirement if you don't get proactive. Now, Tom Wilson, my guest today, wrote a book about what you should do and how to approach retirement. Now, there are books written about finances, travel, downsizing, and other aspects to retirement. But what Tom has tried to do in this book is to put all of these considerations in one book called Next Stage, In Your Retirement, Create the Life You Want. My first question to Tom was, what was his inspiration for the book? So I hit 60 like a lot of people. So I was dealing with the sort of transition to the sort of next generation of that group and thinking about, so what am I going to do? I think I'm going to have hopefully 20 or 30 years of healthy life ahead of me. And was I kind of ready for doing something different? And so I started reading a bunch of books and they were all kind of very focused on one thing like financial planning or uh, some things on health and things about power of purpose. But no one really ever kind of put that stuff together in a way way that made some sense to me. I, I learned that there are 10,000 people a day turning 65. So I didn't feel much, I didn't feel alone. I just that there's like this phenomenon that's happening. And I decided, you know, I think there's a book here and it's got to be about something that's more a sort of a one shop 
one place that integrates a lot of these concepts that people talk about in these various books in terms of like, you know, who are you and what you're going to be. And so uh, as I uh, walked my dog through the woods of Concord, um, thought a lot about what to do with that. And this emerged was like, and I interviewed people and read these books and stuff. And I said, you know, there are really five questions that seem to be common. So what are you going to do with your time? And are you going to have enough money? And uh, who are you going to live with about relationships and how do you stay healthy? Lots of interesting stuff about health, you know, and then the issues around identity and lifestyle and stuff like that. So I just found myself fascinated by the idea of saying, um, I kind of put this together and put it in a way that would be research-based and tell stories and provide worksheets and checklists and guidance to help people figure out their own solution. When I talk to various people about their finances, I think they're doing much better than they think they are, and it takes some mm -hmm, financial mm -hmm. planning, and they would be at a better place, but they don't seem to do that. Do you find that at all? Absolutely, and it's almost the rouge they put around why they aren't dealing with some more important issues, like, so who are you going to be? when you retire, when you ask you the question, so what do you do? There's a, like a choke that occurs in people's throats. And so a lot of people say, I'm hesitant about that. And they will talk about money. It's like the reason that people say the reason they leave their companies is because of pay. And oftentimes that's obviously not the answer. But some people do need to worry about it. I mean, most people do need to worry about it. And so the question is, how can you do things that you really want to do in this life while you still can and make money at it that you can live on? And so there's this living responsibly kind of question that's sort of implied in all this um, for some people and others, um, you know, it's it's relax. OK, your financial planner has got it all figured out and you can see what the numbers look like. And, you know, you can live on four percent of your assets and have a nice life. What about the people who are, let's say, facing retirement and they're coming mm -hmm. down the pike and they haven't asked these questions? What do you think mm -hmm. is the first thing they should do? You have this laid out really well and you say, like, what do you want to do with your time? And that right. sounds easy, but I think it's real difficult. When I do this, and this kind of goes back a bit of my sort of training background, is I help people look both backwards and forwards. And so I had this wonderful story I want to tell you about that I was at a, a baseball game. I'm a Red Sox fan. I live in Boston. And I was at their training camp in Fort Myers. And I was sitting next to this guy that was like naive, four years old. And um, so I said to Tony, we got talking with her. I said, Tony, so what's the secret for a long life? And he looks at me and he points his finger and he says, never stop working. And he was, we were laughing about that. And his wife leans over and says, and he never sits down. And what was so interesting about the story with Tony is that he's actually true. It's not about work, but it's about doing things that are purposeful and have meaning for you. And that will actually create something that keeps you going. So with that, I said, okay, well, who can help somebody answer that question? If you look back on the times in your life when you were in your element, you just love doing what you're doing. And don't just look at one. Maybe look at four or five or six of some really interesting, useful experiences that you, you know, World War III could come and go and you wouldn't even notice because you were so engaged and so energized by what you were doing. And then also look at the things that you're really good at. What are your core strengths, your uh, unique abilities, the things that you're really, really good at? So if you can find ways of doing the things that you love doing, using the skills, maybe helping to refine those in some ways in some capacity and look for creative ways to do that, what you find is that people find a level of meaning that they don't get by just sort of playing another round of golf. Maybe there's something else 
that you ought to begin looking at. So part of what I try to do proactive versus having things come to you all the time. You have to get out there. Absolutely. You know, that's a really good point because I look at this thing in in an interesting sort of way. So if you fast forward to a point in time in your life when you can't get around, you physically are just not able. So you've got some time between where you are today and where you are at that point in time to do the things that you really want to do, to be able to look back on your life and say, you know, my life was well lived and I did what I wanted to do with it. And that's sort of my wish for people is that they would use this time both to figure that out and then to do it. Because I like to say frequently, if not now, when? That's great advice. And uh, let's move mm-hmm. on to another one, and that is staying yeah. healthy beyond, yeah. let's say, the obvious yeah. eating well, exercise, right. and, and get plenty of sleep. What, what would you right. expand on that? <laughs> I was talking to a naturalist, natural food uh, uh, counselor the other day, and he was saying that what he advises his clients is everybody knows is about fruits and vegetables, but you know, if you allow 20% of your diet to be stuff that's junk food or whatever, not healthy food, but you maintain fairly disciplined around the 80%, you'll be healthy because your body can tolerate some level of intolerance, you know? And so there's certain things that we can do that it allows us to focus on the things that is in fact helpful. Like, you know, they talk about the Mediterranean diet, the blue zone diet, um, and in exercising, the part of the thing about exercise is, is making it fun. So they can do like fast walking or they can do riding bicycles or wherever they can sort of do something more almost every day that gives you some level of get your heart going. And then as you were saying is everybody has certain things, small things they can do that is to take care of themselves. And it could be things like, um, you know, how you focus on vitamins, how you look at um, like getting, like you said, about sleep or, you know, there's some really interesting things that people are doing because you have to take ownership of your health. The research is showing that, you know, only 25% of your health is, is a function of your genetics and 75% is based on your behavior. The person that's responsible for you is yourself. And so what can you do now? Even if you wait till your 70s to start exercising on a regular basis, it will have enormous benefits in terms of dementia, your stamina, and doing whatever. So it's about finding little things that you do that starts changing your own behavior in a way that you say, you know, I feel good about that. The people who do live into their 90s and have a healthy lifestyle, they're always on the move. They're doing something. So that spoke to me that activity is so important to get up and out the door and doing things. Yeah. And our longevity in other parts, other developed countries, longevity is actually increasing like about three months every year. In the United States, it's actually going down. And a lot of it has to do with um, obesity and, you know, some, you know, addictive habits, smoking and, you know, other kinds of alcohol and stuff like that. So the stuff that's so interesting about all this is the the book is not probably going to give somebody totally new information. Oh my God. And now I found the, you know, the panacea It's stuff that people probably already know, but to some stuff, it gives them some more reason as to understand it a little more deeply about whatever it might be talking about. And then to sort of say, you know, time to take ownership of your own health or your time or your relationships and start to deal with them because the next stage is going to be harder. It's kind of a call to action, but trying to do it in a nice way because I'm a nice guy. Um, now you're 
your book is called Next Stage in Your Retirement, uh-huh. Create the Life You Want. And you also have a website, uh, org. You've got great information yep. on that. So you can also order yep. the book on that. But before I yep. let you go, I want to ask one other question yeah. here. And this sure. is kind of a dicey one. And that is find out who you want to live with going forward. Now, I think that's a default <laughs> decision for many of us. I hope we don't cause mm-hmm. divorces in this conversation. Right. <laughs> could you elaborate on that? What's interesting is it's not just about your primary relationship, although a lot of the divorce rate of people over 60 has tripled in the last 10 years. So this is a question for some people. A lot of people in their work life were with a community of people. They were working with you know the band of brothers or sisters or whatever. And now on Tuesday afternoon, they're alone. And so the question is that I used to have all my friends at work or friends at whatever, and now I'm alone. And being alone is not good. Uh, so part of the challenge is to look at rebuilding yourself as a community of people that you can hang out with, just sort of replace them. And we, it is clear that men in a primary relationship do better in terms of longevity and, and the quality of that life than men who are single. But that's not true for women. But women who had a group of sisters they could hang out with actually had the same effect as having with a male having a primary relationship. One of the people I talked to, he was discovering that he didn't have the kind of relationship with his kids that he had wanted. He had had a divorce quite a number of years ago, and you know he kind of let the relationship with his kids wander. And he said, you know, I want to rebuild my relationship with my kids. So it touches people in lots of ways, but relationships are uh, pretty damn important. That's Tom Wilson, author of the book, Next Stage, In Your Retirement, Create the Life You Want. If you would like to find out more about the book or other suggestions from Tom about retirement, visit his website at mynextstage.org. everyone. So welcome back to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. I have Paul on the phone from Palm Springs. And, you know, Paul, I know you're so passionate about talking with people who want to go into business for themselves. And you, uh, my friend, you've been uh, on your own and you have had your own business for 30 years and you've actually written a couple books on that subject. So what is exactly your focus? Well, that's a very good question, Benny, because I think every uh, type of book and suggesting to people what they should do with their lives, I think the first question is, what gives you the credential to do it? Mm -hmm. And I think um, by being in business for 30 years, I can't say that I've seen it all, but I've seen a lot. And I took those experiences, and then again, I did put it into a book called Is Self-Employment for You? And the focus of the book is not to try to talk you into going into business for yourself or out of it. What my goal is is that when you take and read the entire book, when you get to the last page and you shut it closed, you'll say to yourself, I can do this. Or you say the opposite. You know, uh, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. If that's what you do, that means my book was successful. Because I've had as many people tell me when they've read the book that they decided not to go into business based on what I suggested or what I brought up. And as many people saying they went into business. 
it would where I lose is they get done with the book and they would go, well, you know, I'm still not sure. Sure. So that's what I think my main focus is. I, it's imperative that mm-hmm. people, I think, understand, at least from my point of view, that, again, it's not an advocacy book. Right. It's one that I want people to just take a look and think if they're in the position to do it. It could be timing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I was at a right time in my uh, late 20s when I started the business. Everything was lined up well. Well, you may have three kids. You may have a lot of overhead. You may be unsettled. Not the right time. Mm-hmm. Timing is so critical. So that's some of the things that I do talk about in the book. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, Benny, you, we talked, I know, earlier about uh, one of my inspirations for the book is mm-hmm. that most businesses fail. Right. 80% of businesses fail. Yeah. Well, why do you think most businesses fail then? Well, you know, that that's a, a good question because uh, I, there's a number of uh, different reasons, but I think there are some that are central, and one of them is that people go into doing something they're not qualified to do. Like, for example, let's say they're an accountant or an attorney their entire life. They have a midlife crisis or they want to do something new. Um, Then they go open up a restaurant or something, which they have no expertise in. Now, restaurants uh, have a high failure rate in and of themselves, and that's from people who really know what they're doing. Sure. But I do think that people sometimes get into a business they don't understand. Mm -hmm. So if you're an accountant, you may want to open up an accountant firm or something like be your own boss there. But do some things that you have core competency in. I think a close second is too much overhead. Mm -hmm. I think people get into business and they sign for office leases up for an extended period of time. Here's an example I wrote about in the book. Now, this does sound harmless, but then you can take a look at how much this costs your business over a period of time. Mm-hmm. If let's say you go into business and you are, you know, paying $5,000 a month average for 10 years, and that's being generous because costs go up, mm-hmm. but let's just take sure. that figure there when I talk about overhead. Right. So right now, after 10 years, you've just spent $600,000 just on office rent. Now, that's a lot of money that you could have spent on marketing yeah. and doing other things. So I advise people to look at a business where they don't mm-hmm. have to go into an office or now open up a big retail center and get themselves into uh, a negative cash flow mm-hmm. really quickly. Right. So all I'm suggesting is that people look at their core competencies and whatever they're doing now, look at becoming a consultant in that field. Start it off. Go online, get the business rolling and see what's out there and see if you have what it takes to get up every day, advertise, sell, call people or whatever. And that's another thing I'll buttonhole this with is that a lot of people don't – I don't – let me take this back. Nobody really likes to sell. It's got kind of a negative connotation to it, but you have to do it. Because if you don't sell your product or service, no one's going to come knocking down your door right. or come into your cycle and I want what you want, sure. basically, until mm-hmm. you're up and running. And that's about three to five years. Yeah. But that's what I'm submitting is that if you don't want to sell or better yet won't sell, then I suggest not going into business for yourself. Right. It's a, defi- a definite balance of many, many factors uh, for sure. You also talked about some myths going into business. Could you uh, share uh, the listeners a, a couple of those? 
All right. And uh, by the way, I, I appreciate the listeners because I know I'm coming long distance on an iPhone, so it's not as crisp and clear as Benny, you like it to be. But I hope we get some good information across. During the these times, we're doing what we can. We're yeah, at. we are. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, there's about eight myths I do have. And uh, one of the big ones is I believe that a lot of there's a perception that people going into business for themselves are huge risk takers. They're gamblers. They just want to see if this is going to work. Well, those people don't last long. The ones who do are really thought out very well as to what they're doing. They don't risk a bunch of money. They have saved money because they have a core competency in saving. And so they are off to a good start. There's people I see that um, are out there starting a business. They have no savings because I believe that really you should fund your own business without half your own money. Because when you do that, you will watch it a lot quicker than if, you know, Uncle Joe sends you a check for $200,000 to get going and opening up a cupcake factory or something. Right. They're your worst enemies in many ways mm-hmm. uh, because they're giving you something and you don't have the expertise. But that goes back to overhead. Sure. But the bottom line is this, that I don't believe the competent uh, entrepreneurs are huge risk takers. They're very thorough and very thoughtful about what they do. They do not risk more they can that lose. Mm-hmm. For example, when I started, um, I had six months. I gave it to what I could do. I took some money out of my house, and I said, if it doesn't work, I'm not going to have to live on a park bench. I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to start my business on a credit card because I think that's – you read about people who do that, and the reason they get uh, profiled later is because it's such an unusual story. It's not the norm. Right. So – I believe that that's a huge myth. I believe that um, one of them, the big one, is follow your passion and the money will follow. I don't believe that. I believe that you got to look at the passion or the need of your customer. It's not about you here. It's not about your passion. Does it make sense? And will the money follow? Not necessarily. Right. Uh, You have to have the right business and you have to have be positioned well to be able to make that business uh, successful. Perfect. Well, we have just a little bit of time left before the show, and we need to wrap up. So uh, tell us just briefly about the self-employment quiz, my friend. Okay. Well, first of all, it's uh, you can go to my website, and that's um, voicesofexperience.com, and there are 20 questions. And uh, talk about organization. Like I, I, I asked the person who's taking the test, are they an organized person? If they're not, you get yourself a zero, you're forgetting your car keys, you don't get anything done. You have great ideas, but you don't execute and you're not organized. You grade yourself low, you, you, can, you can get better at that, but don't go into business until you're good at these things because that's what really makes the business work, okay? Can't emphasize that enough. Are you, are you a good listener? You have a, uh, are you a reliable person? Like Benny, you show up every Gosh, uh, five o'clock in the morning, whatever there, you've been doing that for years. That is reliability. I can rely on Benny, you see, (laughs) and that's really comforting to know. And that really goes a long way. So I'll leave you with this. When you're looking at going into a business for yourself, I suggest that you look at a niche, find a niche that's something that maybe is underserved, and then you solve a problem. Those are the entrepreneurs that I read about and I talk to who really are successful. Again, back to it's not your passion. It's about what your customer needs. That is absolutely a critical starting point. 
Perfect. Well, we appreciate you, uh, Paul, joining in uh, live from uh, Palm Springs, and we hope you stay safe down there, sir. And same to you, Benny. We'll see you soon, hopefully.